Uh, we're back again. Today is um, March 9th, 2010, and um, there's been an, uh, sort of a pause between the last session and this one uh, because um, Dad had to go home um, as Tia's mom was getting iller um, and eventually passed away. So um, that was now, what, uh, three weeks ago or four weeks ago? Yeah. And uh, took a little break, uh, and we're back again. And of course, we can talk about that. But according to our outline, um, today we we're going to, uh, uh, having finished the period of time with Teferi Mokun in school, we're going to start talking about the university, uh, College of Addis Ababa, and, and those experiences. Okay. Um, yes. I was in Ethiopia uh, for three weeks from mid-January to the early days of February. Uh, as you said, uh, my sister passed while I was there. I had a chance to be with her for about a week, um, which was good. She didn't uh, talk too much. She was very weak. But nonetheless, she did realize that I was there, and uh, we exchanged uh, messages through uh, signs and so forth. Anyway, I'm back, and uh, we now ready to say a few things about the first years of University College, uh, UCAA, University College of Addis Ababa. Great. And, I, and I'm just going to throw in here that you also did a, a beautiful job and took photographs of some of the school buildings uh, back home. And uh, in a few days, I think we could sit down and, and maybe uh, record some of your um, memories using those pictures. Okay. That would be great. Yes. Okay. Uh, I shall I go on with the university college days? Yeah, yeah I uh, entered University College of Addis Ababa uh, in September of 1951, having taken the school living examinations, the uh, examinations that uh, everybody had to take uh, when finishing uh, high school uh, in June, the previous June, three months earlier in June 1951. Mm -hmm. The exam we took, uh, I think I explained it at the last session, was the London University matriculation oh, yeah. and the General Certificate of Education GCE. We were the first to take the GCE and the last ones to take the London uh, University matriculation. Uh, now these exams uh, were administered by the British Council. They were obviously written by the London University itself and uh, all students who wanted to get into British universities, whether they are in, in England or in Africa or Asia, had to pass those exams to have at least five papers, uh, five subjects passes in five subjects. And uh, I uh, sat for uh, uh, English, Amharic, uh, Mathematics, General Science, and uh, uh, geography. Those are the five subjects. Do you get the uh, pick or they choose for you? No, no, we choose. Oh. I mean, uh, we spend uh, the last semester of the, of the uh, secondary school to prepare for the examinations. You know, we exercise, we take uh, uh, sample exams from the old days and, you know, so we, we, we selected the exams. Or, or our teacher selected for us. Uh, in any way, it wasn't London, but we who select the exams. Yeah. The exams were very formal. Uh, each one five, uh, three hours long. Mm. They were administered by the British Council in, in Addis Ababa. 
Which is, is that the same as the embassy? What's the British Council? The British Council is a, a semi-autonomous body of, uh, uh, basically, it's the cultural wing of the United Kingdom government. They have them in, every, in various countries. Mm. They have libraries and uh, they have lecture series, film series. Um, in this kind of uh, the British presence culturally in, in the various African countries. Wow, okay. Yeah. And they're theoretically, and I think practically, to remove from the everyday politics. They don't report either to the Ministry of Information or to the Foreign Office. They, they, they're administered by a board of directors. Uh, it's a, uh, a prestigious organization and has done a good job in many, many parts of Africa. But they were accredited to <coughs> examine the students, though, so they're pretty official. Well, yeah, well, yeah, then the university has some agreement that they administered the, on behalf of the British, of the of the universities, these exams, not only in Addis Ababa, but in, in many other capitals in Ghana, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, uh, Uganda, Makerere University, and so and in Asia, Hong Kong, and and many parts of India and so forth. So they're, uh, they're still in existence, by the way. They still have a building in Addis Ababa, and uh, they're quite a prestigious group, yeah. Um, so well, there five different exams. I mean, that's... Five, yeah. It takes a whole... stressful. It takes a whole week. Uh, each examination is given a separate day. Uh, so uh, uh, they have to be careful that... Uh, there are no conflicts because some guys who take English uh, may also be taking another subject, and, and they, make sh they, make sh they must make sure that uh, students have are not going to have to take two exams the same day. You know. So that that was that's the so the the Ethiopian government or the Ethiopian school system accepted the British Council's exams to go to university in Ethiopia? Is, I mean, is that typical for the um, other African countries? In the other African countries, it was not an issue because uh, uh, their own universities are were patterned after the British model, if yeah. they're British colony. And so in order to get into their own universities, they will have to sit this exam. Hmm. For us, it was a new thing. And as I'll explain later, when the question arose how uh, should the university, university college be set up? Should it be an independent uh, university college or should it be uh, affiliated with some foreign university or whether it should be under the Ministry of Education? Um, you know, all of these things were being discussed concurrently as they started the first call, uh, as the, uh, uh, and the first intake was that, uh, were, were admitted into the university, university college. Wow. So it is new for us. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, in, in other in, uh, British colonies, it was taken for granted, yeah. So before, and you said previously that your class was the second class admitted to UCA. That's right. Our so class. Before not... that, before the class before yours, right? If yeah. you were going to college, I mean, if you were in Ethiopia and going to college, what did you do? There was no college in Ethiopia before that. I mean, the first crop of students also took the same examination, but they took it uh, half a year or a year earlier than we did. Than I did, but everybody um, else before you left the country. I mean, that was it. I mean, if they wanted second, if they wanted higher education, they had to literally leave the country. No, no, they were the the first group became the uh, 
year one and when we were entered the uh, year two when we entered the college in other words those students like Akilu, my friend uh, he was in the first crop he took the examinations in june uh, a year earlier in june 1950 and another group of students took the examination six months later in january of 1951 you... those two students those yeah. two graduates were combined to become uh, to, to be the first intake into the into university college. And when we entered the college in 1951, those who were there earlier became year two, in year, and we were in year one. They were, they were sophomores or freshmen, so to say. Uh, does that answer your question? Or? Yeah, well, I meant if, you know, the, before these two, everybody else in the years previous left the country for exactly. university education. So there Ex literally exactly. was no... No. Nothing to model, nothing, you know, no. who knew who to accept the university. I mean, you had to sort of start from scratch. Exactly. I mean, those, we were the only one, I mean, the previously, as soon as you finish high school or even your second, third year of high school, you were sent abroad, no questions asked, I mean, on government scholarships. Hmm. Uh, it was when the college was started in 1950, uh, January 1950, uh, you know, a lot of kids were very sad because, you know, their chance to go abroad was now being... They're <laughs> <laughs> not quite so proud yet. Yeah, yeah. So then you took the you took the exams, uh, and, I mean, how did you even know what to study for? I mean, you know, there's nobody to ask. There's no preparation books. Uh, no, there were, I mean, uh, by the time we took the exams... Uh, uh, we had a fair idea of what uh, the, the was required. Of course, this London examination, I think, as I explained earlier, I mean, at, last, at the last session, uh, were for everybody. I mean, you know, they were for all foreign students or even English students. So they did not, they were not based necessarily on, on the on the, on the Ethiopian syllabus or Ethiopian curriculum. Oh, okay. So they could ask you on virtually anything they want. Uh, but uh, you know, we just took our chance. And uh, in those years, many, I mean, there was a good passing uh, rate. I mean, 80, 90 percent of uh, the students who took the exam passed. But of course, before they get to that grade, I mean, you know, there was a lot of uh, <laughs> uh, people who fail and, you know, leave the school. Uh, there was a lot of weeding, weeding before uh, they get into the stage where they take the matriculation. Yeah. You mean into Harry McCondon School or whatever secondary yeah, school they're in? Yeah, ex exactly. If, if... So who took the exam then? That's another question. So how many people actually graduated from, t I mean, what was the graduating class size of uh, TMS? Uh and then, okay. um, and then, how many people took the exam? Because obviously, there must have been other kids, you know, who were taking the exam. Exactly. Well, it's a good question. The, the our our group, we were about seventy students from three schools. There are only three schools that prepare for matriculation. Wow. The first one was uh, the Higher Selassie Secondary School in Kotabe on the Desi Road. The second one was John Wingate School in Gulalle. And the third one was the Tafari Mokonin, the secondary section of Tafari Mokonin. Wow. I mean, we still had an elementary section at Tafari Mokonin. The other two schools, Wingate and Harisalasi Secondary, were entirely secondary schools only. Mm. So between the three schools, there were 70, I think about 70 of us took the exam in my class. In the earlier group, together, uh, the ones who took the exam in January, as well as those who took it in June, between the two, there were about 30. 
So when I entered the university college in June, in, in September 1951, year one and year two, the total student population was just under 100. Wow. I mean, and the national population was 20 million maybe at that point? S I mean. Something like that, yeah. yeah. 15, 20 million between that, yeah, between those two figures. That's just incredible. <laughs> So uh, when I entered the university college, it was a small family affair. There were only nine teachers, including the president and the librarian. Wow. <laughs> it was a pretty good ratio. Yeah. 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 There was, uh, there was only, only one building to house everything. We'll get to see the picture uh, at another session, but I did take a picture of that uh, one building. That yeah, was, yeah, I mean, I think you said this is the original building. It didn't occur to me that that was the only building. It was the only building. Yeah. It, 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 it was the classroom. It was the laboratories. Uh, students slept there. Students ate there. Wow. It was a recreation hall. And even some of the staff were housed there. So it was everything was there. That's pretty convenient. I mean, I think the gardener had the biggest <laughs> job at that point. He had huge grounds. Uh, actually, that building was built by the Italians towards the end of the occupation, around 1939-1940. And it was uh, first occupied by uh, the commercial school. But when the commercial school had their own building completed, they left the building uh, and... Uh, uh, to, to the university college because at the beginning we shared it with the with the commercial school. Mm. But a year later, uh, after um, I was admitted in 1952, two dormitories were built. Uh, I also took pictures of those two dorms, and we'll talk about them next uh, at one of our sessions. Two dormitories uh, and and a dining room. The interesting thing is the dorms. Uh, were single rooms. I mean, you know, we were very <laughs> well. Own room. Yeah, each one of us had a room you know, the, between the two rooms, between the two buildings. Right. There were uh, hundred rooms, forty-eight in each building, ninety-six. Wow. Yeah, and uh, the dining room was much larger for four hundred, hmm. and it was built and financed entirely by the government. Yeah. So that was uh, a big step up. I mean, from everybody living on top of everybody, then all of a sudden you had your own, you know, almost uh, apartment. Exactly. It started in 1952, but by the time it was finished, it was another year. So by the time I was in, in the third year, I had a single room of my own. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty fancy. Yeah. Now, when the first, uh, when the university college was first established, really there was no clear unanimity between within the government on how it should be structured. There were a group for, uh, who thought, you know, it should be only a, an intermediate college, a junior college. Uh, there were others who thought it should be entirely under the Ministry of Education, just another uh, part of the ministry's uh, education system. And, and, and others were saying, well, no, it should be a bona fide school uh, with its own charter and independent of the government and so forth. So there were lots of discussion, but these discussions were not open. I mean, they were inside the Ministry of Education, uh, in the Board of Education, and we didn't know much about what was going on. We were just studying our, our work. And eventually, the government decided that it should be uh, uh, a chartered body, and the charter was published and promulgated almost at the time the first crop graduated in 1954 i think they made it just within a month or two before the graduation of the 
1954. So chartered means it's got its own governance? That's right. It was chartered. It was uh, gazetted in the Garit Gazeta. It had its governance and it was autonomous. The government was not supposed to, uh, did not really intervene in the academic affairs of the university college. Mm -hmm. So it was a uh, uh, fully independent, I mean, uh, body. But the board uh, <laughs> was constituted mostly government officials. Yeah. But uh, for all practical purposes, when they acted as members of the board, uh, they had they didn't wear their government hat. They mm -hmm. wore on their university hat. So I don't think there was much uh, doubt that uh, they served the university well. The university college served well. As a board. As a board, yeah. But on the other hand, I mean, there was no tuition. There was no independent source of money. So there was still a fairly long, you know, yeah. cord. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, but on academic matters in terms of student admission, student graduation, curriculum. course of studies, curriculum, course of studies, who is going to teach there and so forth, you know, they, they, they let us go, uh, no, they, they, they didn't intervene at all. Yeah. But um, they were fully financed by the government, the college was fully financed by the government. Um, so you're right, I mean, we cannot be, we cannot do anything we want and, and, uh, and, uh, and get away with it, no. Yeah. And I mean, of course, you know, capital and building and stuff like that, you didn't control, which I mean, at that point, it probably wasn't critical because I mean, you had to you had to build up the students and the faculty. That's right. I should add that before the, as part of the discussion of what college, the, what the college should look like, uh, there was an attempt, an effort to have it affiliated with, the, with London University. Hmm. So an application was sent to the University of London. And two, three months later, a team came from the London University to assess the uh, college. They uh, stayed there about 10 days and uh, they reported back to the university, to London University. The bottom line was that uh, they said, okay, you can get affiliated with the University of London, but there are a number of conditions that you must, uh, you must uh, uh, fulfill. Mm. And those conditions made us look like we were just another British colony. So the government didn't take it well. Uh, for instance, they all they, we had to have after the examinations, they we had they had they had what they call uh, external examiners who would come from London and assess whether or not the examinations were correct, or, or properly done, mm. or properly marked, and so forth. And this is the same thing that they do in in, in, in every British colony. I mean, like uh, Accra or 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 uh, McEnery, uh, they first earned the external degree of London University before they were allowed to to uh, offer their own degrees. You know, it's, it's part of the part of the process of getting independence in, in Ghana. You remember, you're too young to remember, but you know, they first would allow their uh, parliament to uh, local parliament uh, to decide on certain matters and then it would get more authority as, as the years passed by until it become a completely autonomous parliament and autonomous government. Wow. It was the same thing with the university. First they became kind of an external arm of London University, taking the same examinations, having their staff approved by London University, the examinations were written by London University and so forth. And it was only later on that those universities, including Makerere or Khartoum or Accra or Ibadan, were allowed to, to, to uh, uh, grant their own degrees. 
And they wanted the, the university in Addis Ababa to do the same thing, and, and, and that didn't go well with the government. I mean, the British, yeah. you, know, they're, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that's their British position. I am actually surprised, though, that they had, you know, a somewhat benevolent, you know, although patronizing yeah. method. I mean, that, you know, I, I was always imagined that the end of colonialism, you know, was uh, kind of a violent, you know, separate separation, right? You know, yeah. at least for the British. Sorry. Not, not, you know, they they weren't interested in helping him at that point. So uh, maybe, maybe I didn't read that right. No, I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, but there is this uh, fantastic British custom or institution called, you know, like the British Council we talked about before. Yeah. It was a government body, completely financed by the government, but it was outside the Ministry of. Uh, foreign affairs or the Ministry of uh, Education or any government uh, uh, department and, and, and administered by a board. And, 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 and they do a good job. And it, it was the same thing with the universities. They had what they called IUC, the Inter-University Council, mm. uh, which was which comprised representatives of the, all of the British universities. Uh, the universities were financed by the government. They were not private universities. But they uh, were given grants uh, without any questions uh, asked, you know, and, and they would they can uh, do with it uh, the the way their own boards uh, uh, approved. In other words, they were independent. Hmm. The, it was the IUC, the Inter University Council, that sent representatives to to Addis Ababa to assess the whether or not you see a university college should be uh, granted uh, should be given. Some kind of affiliation should be granted. Some kind of affiliation with London University. It's a little bit like the BBC in a way. I mean, yes, the money exactly. comes from the government. Exactly. And they're and they're very autonomous. I think yeah. the British kind of are very good at compartmentalizing. I mean, that's exactly. you know, even in their personal relations. I mean, maybe you know, this is sort of the the the, the upside of it, I suppose. No, that's exactly the British Council. The uh, uh, IUC, the Inter University Council, the BBC, and there are many other such uh, organs. It's, it's, a, it's an institute. It's, it's a tradition that the British have really uh, cultivated it to to the to the uh, utmost. I mean, it's it's, it's an uh, uh, yeah, it's an unenviable way of running things. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's exactly. I mean, it it, it you know, uh, yeah. And there's also kind of a darker side of that, obviously. You know, and that 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 happens sometimes. Yeah. But so so for you guys. You know, a hundred now, what, 18, 19 year olds? Is that, I mean, that's what you'd be in the United States, that, right? That's, that's right. We were, uh, at least I was 19. Well, I, when I entered the college, uh, I was 17. Uh, because I was born in 34, so I entered in 1951. I was 17. So we're talking about 18, 19 students, yeah, years old there. You're right. Now, most of the, uh, so the, the Tefemikonin students were maybe half were boarders and half were day schoolers, roughly? The Tafarimukon school itself, yes, but the UCA were all borders. No, I mean, for the incoming kids were, you know, how many of them were used to living away from home oh. and, you know, in, you know, in this kind of dormitory situation? Uh, that I couldn't tell you. You mean, how many of those who entered from TMS, from Tafarimukon school were borders and how many were day schools? I, I, that I don't know. Yeah, or even from the other ones. But I mean, but it's still, it's a fairly new cultural phenomenon. I mean, here, going to college is a, is a sort of... Yeah. You know, it's a ritual, right? I mean, you get to a certain age and you go away to college and, you know, you, you do all these things you would never do at home. And, you know, 
yeah. and then you come back and you're you know you're back to yourself again. I, I just wondered what it's like you know back then. But the, the, the this question arises only for Tafari Makonnen School because the other schools were entirely secondary schools, as I said earlier. Wingate was entirely secondary and it was 100% boarding. The same with Harris Lassie First Secondary School in Kotabe. It oh, was see. entirely secondary and it was all boarding. So this question did not arise. Only at Tafari Makonnen, and I don't know the ratio of day school and boarding, uh, day students and boards, uh, boarding students who qualified for entry. That I don't know. Yeah. So, so for them, not as much of a change, right? I mean, they sort of went from one boarding yeah. school to another. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Except a smaller unit. Uh, yeah. And uh, as I said, a very cozy uh, atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the... I remember distinctly our dining room and the staff dining room uh, were next to each other. And the same kitchen served both the staff <laughs> and the students, yeah. <laughs> except the food was prepared a little better for them, I think, than for us. Oh, you think it was anyway. <laughs> uh, well, once in a while, the waiters, waiters would uh, get us uh, a, a little bit uh, to taste, and uh, this was better. <laughs> but, even our, but even ours was fantastic. I mean, it's only first... Uh, uh, 20 or 30 students and the second year, year uh, only 100 students <laughs> yeah you got treated yeah <clears throat> so what what was the uh day like i mean f you know if there's only you know 100 in the whole university i mean i guess you know you were you were together much of the day i mean how would the you know how would a sort of a, a, a regular day go um well the jesuits both at the farim school did, did i mention that it was the same Headmaster, no, no, it was the same. Uh, Matt, Doctor Professor uh, Lucien Matt, uh, we called him uh, Doctor Matt, yeah. who was who was the director of the Fari Mokonin School, who was appointed president of the University College. Oh, so it was the same group of Jesuits who also founded the University College. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because they 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 became very close to the emperor, and the emperor. Uh, uh, had quite a lot of faith in what they were doing and uh, g gave them virtually free hand to do. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, so yeah, it was the. It was, and I think I also mentioned that in one of the sessions that these Jesuits, as part of their agreement to teach in Ethiopia, they were not allowed to wear uh, clerical gowns, and they were they were all called Mister or Doctor if they had if they had a doctorate degree, uh, and not Father. Although when they go back for holidays to their country, they would wear their clerical gowns and be called a reverend, I mean, father, you know, monsignor or father. <laughs> and, and this is, I mean, because of the church. I mean, because purely, of the church. purely be, you know, not to pollute the Orthodox Church. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, and they accepted that and they accepted that condition, which is interesting, right? right? I mean, you would think that their educational mission and religious mission would be fairly close together. No, these things were... Uh, agreed upon at very, very high levels between the Minister of Education and the high uh, official of the Jesuit order in, in Rome, so it, uh, not even in, in, in Canada. So uh, it was uh, negotiated and agreed upon before. Because I think I also mentioned in one of the sessions uh, about in the 17th century, a group of Jesuits were in Ethiopia uh, that come with the Portuguese military contingent that came to help Ethiopia fight a Muslim invader oh, yeah. or crusader grind. Yeah. Uh, and and they, the, those uh, Jesuits stayed on a little bit longer 
even after Gran uh, was defeated, and they became close to the uh, palace and uh, managed to uh, convert the emperor, Susunius. Susunius. Yeah. Uh, so we had that bad uh, tradition, experience, yeah. exactly. So the emperor was very careful that this would not, uh, would not be repeated again. And nothing yeah. ever gets forgotten, of course. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, the, so the teachers, you said, in nine, nine faculty, I mean, that's not a whole lot. Were, were those also the Jesuits or some mixed? Uh, about, no, about half of them were Jesuits. The other ones were Catholics, but not Jesuits. They didn't employ non-Catholics until uh, maybe six, seven years after the college was established, you know, because they just, they just couldn't find enough Jesuits to come. So they first or, uh, employed non then Jesuit Catholics, and then eventually uh, just about anyone. In fact, this is for the Farimokonu School, for, but for the university college, <coughs> no, the, um, eventually, eventually, meaning within two or three years, um, the large, the one of the largest contingent of teachers at the university college were uh, uh, these displaced persons, as they call them, DPs. Mm. These were. Uh, uh, Polish people, uh, Czechs. Oh, you mean um, from the '56 war and such? You mean? No, no. The, uh, the 19 when the when uh, at the end of the World War, yeah. when uh, when the uh, Soviets invaded their country. Yes. Yeah. Some of some of the great learned men of Poland and Czechoslovakia, uh, uh, you know, they fled the country and uh, went to all over Europe. And some of they were invited also to Ethiopia to come. And so we were able to get some of the best brains uh, as teachers of political science. Interesting. And, so so that, is that why, like, <coughs> Professor Yanaski, you know, the, exactly. the Polish professor, I mean... Exactly. So we sort of benefited from the, the from the fall of the Iron Curtain, just sort of like the Americans, you know, got the German scientists. Exactly. We, there were oh, professors of law, political science, economics, even chemistry, uh, Shudronisky, Grzyzewicz, uh, uh, quite a few, Onaski, you mentioned, quite mm -hmm. a few of them, uh, together with, uh, but uh, also, those were also Catholics by coincidence, you know, because there were uh, East Europeans in those, at least those parts of East Europe were Catholics, the Poles, the, the Poles Polish people, yeah, yeah, right. yeah and, and the Czechs who came also were Catholics, yeah. Well, at least those who came to us were Catholics. I don't know about. So that sort of that sort of predates. I mean, later on, you know, with the Doug, there was a lot of connections with Eastern Europe, right? I mean, there was people going to Bulgaria and Russia. That was during the communist regime. During yeah, exactly, the... but even yeah. before the communist regime, there was already an Eastern European sort of connection. Yes, yes. Totally independently. Yeah. Yes, but but much anti-communist. I mean. Uh, yeah, exactly. You're right. Good point. Yeah, that they were not yeah. pro-pro. No, 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 no. I mean, this is a digression, but when uh, in those years, uh, President Tito of, of Yugoslavia came to visit Ethiopia, all these Eastern Europeans were <laughs> rounded up and kept away from him. <laughs> so they wouldn't kill him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, with uh, with such a small school, with, you know, did you pick separate majors? Or, I mean, how do you, you know, how, how do you organize a university okay. education when, when it's so small? Okay. Uh, at the beginning, uh, there was the college did not grant degrees. In fact, the first group that graduated, uh, not a Clilus group, but there were there was a group of students 
who stayed there only two years and three years and got not a degree, but a certificate or a diploma, uh, diploma in engineering or in biology and so forth. And then, then they were sent abroad to finish their uh, studies. Some became doctors, some became engineers. I mean, a good example is Yayu. Do you remember Yayu? Was he? he graduated from uh, the science uh, department, mm -hmm. not with a degree, but uh, with a certificate or diploma, I forget which. And then he went on uh, to Purdue, I think, to earn his, uh, his uh, civil engineering degree. Yeah. So what? I mean, what do they count? Did they count the the courses? I mean, how does it? How does that work? Um, no, it it went by year. I mean, uh, okay. So it's at the, at the beginning, it, the college didn't grant degrees, only certificates and diplomas. But but almost immediately, they started a degree course uh, in science and in the arts. It became a liberal arts college kind of thing. I mean, the, the nucleus of a liberal arts college. So in the science was divided into two groups, two, two departments, what they call science A and science B. Mm -hmm. Science A was, was the physical, mathematical sciences, mm -hmm. and science B was biology, chemistry, and, and that, kind, uh, that kind of thing, you know, the, the biological sciences. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the courses we, what not, well, you know, we had uh, English language, I mean, I mean general education courses, Amharic, um, um, mathematics, and then uh, they would break up and take uh, mathematics or, or biology, depending whether we're in science A or in science B, or in arts. And arts uh, meant virtually everything, uh, whether it's commerce, uh, whether it was economics, whether it was um, you know, liberal arts, I mean, you know, philosophy or history or geography, they were all grouped together. So it three, was, basically three <clears throat> exactly. know, schools, so to speak, I guess, or I'm yeah. not sure what to, how to group them. But. Really two, uh, Department of Arts and, Department of and, Sciences. and Sciences. Yeah. And the science was into Science A and Science B. Science A being the mathematical yeah, sciences, physical, yeah. and then the uh, biological sciences and science B. Yeah. So I mean, so you couldn't really grant a degree. I mean, there just weren't there weren't departments, so to speak. No, so no. they were just sort of schools. Yeah, but gradually they started to have majors and minors and so forth. You know, so by the time I graduated, for instance, I was uh, in the arts faculty in the arts department, majoring in education. Mm. Uh, others would be in the department majoring in in, in uh, law, for instance, like Axel Schomer. Yeah. We came uh, and then went to law school uh, when he came here. Uh, he got a Bachelor of Arts degree. Uh, I think in parentheses they will call law or uh, education, uh, maybe. I don't even remember whether they did that. But anyway, uh, we took more courses in one or the other subject. So there was some specialization by the time uh, uh, we, I, I, you know, we were in the third or fourth year. Yeah. I mean, so that means the departments are getting built in real time. I mean, as you're yeah. going through, they're hiring exactly. people and developing the curriculum. And Exactly, exactly. Um, it was a modest beginning, but it grew quite rapidly. Um, in, in fact, uh, this uh, leads me to the next point I wanted to make. Um, that between 1950, when University College was established, and 1960, in 10 years, there were six colleges that were established in the country. Wow. Yeah, almost concurrently with the University College. Other uh, sites, I mean, you know, I mean. In other places, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the University College in 1950 was uh, chartered and it was uh, meant to be basically a liberal arts college. Mm. Okay. Two years later, in 1952, an engineering college was established 
near Mexico Square on the campus of the technical school. There was a technical school already there. Uh, and that was not uh, a chartered uh, institution. It was directly under the Ministry of Education. Yeah. And then a year later, in 1953, a year after uh, engineering, I mean, in 1953, the College of Agriculture was established in Jimma because there was a, an agricultural, a small agricultural secondary school there in Jimma, yeah. which was later uh, evolved into becoming a college. And uh, the Americans who were invited, their point four, uh, which is now USAID, was invited to uh, to administer it. And uh, eventually, uh, they had their own campus in Alamaya near Harar. You remember the University uh, College of Agriculture in Alamaya in Harar. Which is, a, which is a different location, isn't it, or no? In Harar. Harar. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's a different both. province, yeah. The province 300, 400 miles away. And then in 1954, a public health college was established in Gondar, in the north, in the north. And that wow. was uh, uh, mostly with the help of UNICEF, uh, not UNICEF, WHO, or the WHO, and some uh, USAID assistance. But, uh, uh, well, the Gondar Public Health College was not uh, to train doctors, medical doctors, but paramedics, yeah. health officers, uh, community nurses. Um, and uh, what they, they would go around the country, the area to help deliver babies and, mm. and, and sanitation officers, that kind of sort of second level manpower there. Yeah. And, and then the fifth college, which I forgot to mention, was a theological school, a theological college under the church. Wow. <laughs> so there were five colleges by the time. Well, that's ambitious. I mean, that's, that's amazing to do all that in a decade. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Were the uh, other schools also char um, chartered independently, or was that just UCA? Mm -hmm. No, no. Only the university college was chartered. Now, the engineering college was under the Ministry of Education entirely. The agriculture college was entirely under the Ministry of uh, uh, Agriculture. Uh, public health college was under the Ministry of Public Health. And theological school was under, of course, the church. Uh, but the question, the, the interesting thing here is that um, already you can see how the country was evolving. I mean, you know, the emphasis was on professional schools, engineering, yeah. agriculture, public health. Public health yeah. yeah. But also at the, at the head, there was this uh, liberal arts college, the university college, which was, which was uh, uh, chartered and independent. Yeah. Just, is that is there a reason why that one was treated so differently? I mean, I mean why was this one chartered and independent? And uh, or maybe I, maybe a different way to ask it was uh, is maybe you know, so, is, a, is a prelude, I guess, to the you know later conversations. But you know, was there a discussion? I mean, I know you were students at the time, so maybe they didn't let you in. But you know, was yes. there any thought that you know a liberal arts college is going to you know uh, be a place for you know a group of people to question politically, you know what's going on. Yes, there there were lots and lots of discussion uh, in 1949, in 1950. Now, I mean, in retrospect, reading the minutes and uh, and, and and various uh, books that have been uh, not books, monographs that have been published on on the subject, uh, there was heated discussion. So in the government circles, and yeah. we we were not aware of it, but. Uh, even with the university college, I remember I said just a little while ago how you know, there was no unanimity whether it should be 
uh, an intermediate college, kind of a junior college, whether it should be affiliated with the, with the, with the foreign university, whether it was completely independent. I mean, similar discussions were going on uh, in, the, in the other colleges, uh, regarding the other colleges. Uh, but it was all spearheaded in the, by the Minister of Education and and, and, the, and the Emperor himself. Really, he was very much involved in all of these discussions. In what yeah. sense? I mean, so it was spearheaded by the ministries, who I would imagine, you know, I, I I don't know, but I would imagine they would be biased to keep me in control, right? So, and yet, sort of the you know the the marquee institution was you know made separate. That's true. Uh, that may explain why some of these colleges were under the ministries of health or agriculture uh, uh, or, or, or under the Ministry of Education. There may be a bit of that, but I think also uh, there was not enough output from the secondary schools really to uh, have a, 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 a truly separate colleges that are independent of the Ministry of Education. Right. In fact, at the beginning, the main problem was how to uh, expand secondary schools so there there will be enough output to have these colleges become uh, you know real bona fide uh, colleges. Yeah. So so they they so they weren't. So what did they? Who did they take then? I mean, so the school of public health. These were not necessarily second secondary school graduates. Yes, they were secondary school graduates. Not necessarily with the same. Uh, <coughs> Uh, qualifications as those who entered who enter the university college, uh, but they were all university graduates. Yes, they were university graduates. They were, it was a, yeah. So did you? So now going back to UCAA, um, <laughs> did you guys have the same uh, you know uh, homey visits by the emperor as you did you know in Tefering Quinton School? He'd come in and ask you about your parents and. Yes, yes, yes. In the dining room that was built, yes, he would go. He would go around. And and uh, ask questions and uh, discuss what we would like to do and invariably our answer was that we want to serve our country. There was, <laughs> and then you would ask us in what ways would we like to serve your country and then we had to be more, a bit more specific. Yeah. And you would remember that if you had told him that you would want to be a judge today and three weeks later you, you, if you say you're a teacher, he would he would tell you did you change your mind or something, you know? That's intimidating. <laughs> Yeah. So what? So how did you know what you wanted to do? Um, it was mostly really the teachers who guided us to one or another of the specializations. Uh, very few of us chose our fields on our own. There was no vocational uh, advice or professional guidance, vocational guidance in those days. Yeah. So, so it was. Uh, um, I. I, I, I in my own case, I can't tell you exactly how I, I, I ended up to be a in education, but I was interested in education. I had taught previously uh, in, in secondary schools during the vacation. Um, so, I mean, I didn't, uh, other fields didn't come to my mind, really. Hmm. And in, in any event, the judges were very keen to get uh, some of their better students into education. So some of us uh, who are in education... Uh, Ended up uh, with the gentle guidance of the Jesuits, if I can, if I, can I can put it that way. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what the alternative would be from a Jesuit, but I, I guess I would listen if I was you. Who else? Who else did it? Do you, Do you remember who else took the same road? Akliru is another one. Uh, 
uh, yeah, s- 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 sometimes the top three or four students will go to education and then the others will go to law or something like that, you know. But uh, it was more ad hoc than, than structured. I mean, and some of those who took uh, one or another subject, when they came to America, they changed their fields. Uh, I remember we were about four of us who were in education who went to Harvard in 1955. And I I think it's only me who stayed on in education. The others moved either to history or anthropology. Uh, And one one of them went to linguistics. So, you know, it was a bit hard work in those years, yes. Who were were the other four that went with you? Well, okay, uh, Professor Merritt, who died not too long ago, he was uh, uh, one who was also at Harvard. He later moved to Chicago and majored, did his PhD in, in history. Uh, Abraham, Professor Abraham Damos, uh, I don't know if you remember him, he too. Uh, in fact, he was one of my, one of my best men when I got married. He moved to UCLA and studied linguistics. Uh, under a professor who was a well-known specialist on Ethiopian studies, Professor Leslo. Uh, Third one, Asmarom Lagesa, who may or may not remember, Uh, he stayed at Harvard but changed his field into anthropology and became, he's still a a leading anthropologist and written several books on uh, anthropology. Uh, I stayed on in education, but moved from Harvard to Columbia. But we'll come to this later on when we talk yeah. about it. Instead. Did the did the emperor <coughs> favor one thing or another? I mean, if, the, if you told the emperor you're interested in law, he would say, "Oh, very good. We need more lawyers." Or yeah, I, I think so. He didn't show much uh, prejudice for one or the other. Uh, as long as quote unquote we served our country, I think he left it to us to to do to to choose the area in which we we would render our services. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, uh, we'll continue some other day, but there one or two points I want to underscore as kind of a concluding, if, if that's all right, unless you have some questions. No, go ahead. Okay. Now, I think the themes that I would like to underscore here is that how much the emperor was uh, dedicated and he had a great passion for education. We talked about this in, in, in relation to Tafari Mokon School in, in our previous uh, interviews. It was the same with University College. He came there frequently um, and officiated uh, in sports activities or cultural shows. And, and uh, not only University College, but uh, as I said just a while ago, uh, 10 colleges were built uh, within the first 10 years after yeah. his return, um, between 1950 and 1960. So that shows how much of a passion he had for education. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, given what the country must have had in terms of resources, this must have been one of the biggest, you know, things that it did. Exactly, exactly. The second point here is that how UCA started very modestly, as I said, in one building. Yeah. And, and, and how, how it was also a very uh, eclectic and pragmatic when it first started, meaning that it didn't, it didn't follow either the British or the French pattern. Mm-hmm. I mean, those universities in the uh, French colonies, ex-French colonies, were all Francophone. They were just like a, a replica of uh, the University of Paris. Yeah. 
and then those in England were the same, uh, you know, replica of London or, or Edinburgh. But with us, uh, you know, we, we, we changed things as we went ahead. We went along, you know, added here and subtracted there. A good example is that um, <coughs> in 1951, Eritrea was federated with Ethiopia. Yeah? So for the first time, we got uh, seaports. So the government needed uh, people who would administer the ports. So in 1952, within a year uh, after, no, well, within two years after the university was established, no, a year after the Eritrea was independent, uh, was, was federated in 1951. In 1952, a year later, was the university colleague offered uh, uh, a, a diploma course in port administration. <laughs> so <laughs> from like very broad yeah. to yeah, exactly yeah, very specific. Exactly. They brought some uh, port administrators from from Belgium, who ran a course for two years, and these were sent to Asaf and Masawa to uh, you know take care of the two ports that we suddenly got in 1951 with the Federation of Eritrea. <laughs> as officers, yeah. As, as officers. <laughs> and, uh, and similarly with, uh, you know, they were at that time writing the laws, uh, uh, codifying the laws, the penal and the civil code of Ethiopia. Yeah. But uh, the judges and the, and, the, and, the, and the police and the, uh, you know, they didn't know anything about these, these matters, uh, the new codes. So they established a program at the University College in 1953. That's only two or three years after the college was established, an extension program, an evening class for police officers, for judges, advocates, and lawyers. So they would study the basic uh, features of the new civil and penal code of Ethiopia. Wow. So I mean, like so, while the code was being sort of drafted and enacted, yeah. I mean, the people executing it were taking night classes, basically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was all happening simultaneously. It's amazing. I mean, you could, I mean, this is a young country. I mean, the United States is a young country, yeah. but it's hard to imagine everything just bubbling at the exact same time. Exactly. And, uh, and, and it's also, uh, I think, to the credit of the University College that it would take such courses. You couldn't imagine this taking place, say, at Makerere or at, uh, at Oribaden or, or at uh, uh, Accra because, uh, you know, they would... They would, they would disdain. I mean, they would, they would think it is below their dignity to, to, to offer diploma and certificate courses for police officers and this and that, you know. Meanwhile, but meanwhile I, they're just mimicking the British. I mean, it's just yeah, kind of exactly, ironic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember visiting the University of Ibadan in 1956, and the teachers there, the professors there, were uh, wearing uh, academic guns, just the way they did in England in the Middle Ages. <laughs> <laughs> so none of this happened. Uh, so this is the second point that how how it was modest and eclectic and pragmatic and trying to uh, to be responsive to the needs of the country. I've already mentioned how the colleges uh, were uh, started in, in agriculture and public health and engineering because these were the areas that were needed manpower immediately. So, you know, it was trying to respond to the needs of the country, even at that early stage, you know, within the second or third year after its foundation. Yeah. So what, so the the proposal to affiliate the London University, you know, was essentially rejected yeah. by, the, by the Ethiopian side, yeah. right? right? So, That's but right. beyond that, there was no other official partnership or semi-official partnership with the foreign institution. I mean, the Jesuits were kind of their own order, right? And that's, what else was there besides that? Um, 
really no official uh, affiliation with any foreign institution. But the first graduates from the college, Aquilinus Group, there were about 18 of them. All 18 were sent abroad when they graduated, the same with our class, virtually everybody except one. We were all sent abroad and all of them were admitted into some of the better, best universities in, uh, in, in America. Uh, so they kind of uh, prepared the ground for f the future uh, prestige and recognition of the, of the college. I mean, there was no question that our graduates, graduates of UCA, would not be admitted in, in, in America or, or in, in England, uh, uh, thanks to the, you know, work uh, that the first graduates did in, in those colleges. Interesting. Yeah. And, and how did they do that? I mean, what, what, how did they establish their own credibility, you know, with no track record? I mean, what, I mean, you can send curricula. I mean, how would they, how would these universities, you know, in the United States... You know, validate, or did they come and visit? The first group were admitted into the various universities on what they called a trial basis. You know, they will they will try them out for a fair one term, and if they did well, one semester, and if they did well, they would allow them to continue. Um, and uh, all of them did so well that uh, you know they they continued and graduated after the first, the second, and the third year uh, intake uh, graduates. There was no such question. They were automatically admitted. Uh, I can't explain it. The Empress Prestige may have something to do with it. Um, the fact that these were kind of <laughs> string groups of students coming from East Africa, you know. I mean, you know, mind you, this was early 50s, yeah. mid 50s. So. Yeah. It was not uh, a common thing to have Africans coming into. Well, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, they're yeah, almost yeah. coming from outer space. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. They, exactly. Yeah. So they took them as a, some uh, as a, uh, things of curiosity and just to see how they were doing. They would give them on a trial basis, accept them on a trial basis, yeah. and when they succeeded, uh, you know, there are no more concerns anymore. Yeah. Wow, I mean, and maybe that maybe it helped them in, the, in that sense. I mean, that they didn't know what to expect, right? So exactly, you know, exactly. they did well. I mean, they said, "Oh my God, you know, where's, mm -hmm. can we get more?" Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, another point is that <clears throat> these colleges that were established were put uh, were administered by different groups. Uh, like I mentioned, the university college was by the Jesuits. Okay. The building call, the engineering college, which uh, was mostly Swedish. The uh, agriculture college was American. Uh, the public health college was uh, uh, UNICEF, so it was international. In other words, the effort, even at that stage, was to um, not to give it to any one pattern or any one government or any one tradition, but to have a, uh, <laughs> to have a variety of sponsors or or, or a, a variety of groups to administer the the, the college. So we we'll have different traditions in, in in the different colleges. Mm. I don't know if I'm making myself clear. Well, the I mean, this same kind of the pragmatic eclectic you know origins. I mean that. You know, maybe more durable in that sense, right? I mean, as I, in a way, I mean, with the other countries, the other ex-colonies, if they they had one model to mimic, yeah. and you know, when and when that stopped working for them, for I'm sure for multiple reasons, that there's nothing left. Yeah, exactly. 
But uh, in this case, uh, uh, as I said, each college that was established between 50 and 60 had a different group as the nucleus of the staff, uh, as, the, as the president or the administrator, uh, uh, in order to diversify. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's part of the eclectic, uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's part, uh, yeah, I'm talking that within the context of how eclectic it was, you know. And, in its origin, yeah. And, and, yeah. and they sort of grassroots and, you know, yeah. and, 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 and then could thrive. I mean, and, and apparently did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so. This is a good place to stop, and then, and okay. then we, we can pick up with the, with the rest of this. And then, uh, so I never really knew a lot of this stuff, actually. So we can we can pick it up and and then sort of talk about how then you transitioned to the United States. Um, fantastic. Thank you very much. And, and okay. I'll, I'll, I'm going to stop recording here.